Welcome to the Holistic Work Podcast. I'm Flip Brown, your host and founder of Business Culture Consultants. The mission of this podcast is to bring together individuals who want work to work well, who strive for a balanced and resilient lifestyle, and who have a commitment to social, economic, climate, and racial justice. Feel free to check out the whole series, along with other resources, at businesscultureconsultants.com. Thanks for finding your way here. In today's episode, How to Grow Your Business by Growing Yourself. The old conventional wisdom was that in order to be successful in business, you either had to go to school and learn things that way, or maybe you were just a scrappy, innovative entrepreneur, you had a wild idea, you made it happen, and then you just learned along the way. And both of those methodologies can certainly have value. At some point, however, we realize that in spite of everything we've learned, and because of everything we've learned, somehow who we are is both contributing to our success and inhibiting our success. Now, why is this? Well, if you're really going to live what they call the self-examined life, and I would extend that to the self-examined business person life, then we come across the patterns of thinking, feeling, and behaving that have made us successful. And those patterns were established a long time ago. For example, we may figure out that It is our intellectual capabilities, our ability to analyze data, to crunch numbers, to do research. That is the foundation of our success. And many businesses have been built on that model. The challenge is that those patterns, while good and necessary and sufficient for that type of business, well, actually, any type of business needs some analytical competencies. Things get complicated when we involve this concept called other human beings because we all have different perceptions and experiences and assumptions about how to work together well. Now, we typically seek out people with personalities that are reasonably pleasant, that seem to be a match for our own. You know, the classic, would I want to have a beer with this person? And that will get us a certain distance, but not all the way. Because inevitably, what happens is we come into conflict. We get our buttons pushed. We get triggered. There's something about this person or that person that just isn't working. Now, if it's simply a matter of information and skill building, in other words, their job requires them to utilize spreadsheets and formulas, but they've just been winging it up till now, well, that type of training to provide nuts and bolts skills can certainly be valuable. However, in terms of human interaction, where did we get our first training and modeling? Well, it was in our family of origin. And in my case, I got some great gifts. My father, who owned an independent grocery store, 
taught me the value of work. He would get up at 7 in the morning uh, to open the store. It was about 20 miles away. He would get home at 7 at night. This would happen Monday through Saturday. And then in the summers and Sunday, because it was a resort town, he would open up in the midday as well. He also taught me about how to connect with employees and how to value them. And that's been a lifelong gift. However, my father, like many men in his generation, the whole concept of emotional intelligence and that that was something that you could learn and enhance and practice, it just was dependent on his mood and he could be moody. Now, his employees uh, would give him a wide berth when he was in a not-so-great mood. For me, as both his son and employee, that was an interesting challenge. From my mother, I got a lifelong dedication to learning, which serves me well, because she was a school teacher originally. And I also got the idea of community service, which is part of my business model, part of my life. However, from both of my parents, I got some negative patterns. Again, my father's brooding, his emotional unavailability much of the time, and my mother's, uh, I'll say, charming tendency that she needed to be right and could not accept uh, some disconfirming information. So I had to work through those things in order to be successful in business. And at times, I'm still working through them. The patterns that we grew up with made sense at the time. And one of those patterns is that when we grew up in a household where there was tension or needs weren't getting met or there wasn't sufficient abundance and we were concerned about scarcity or safety, well, when we're six or eight or 10, we don't have the option to say, you know what, family? It's just too much stress here. This isn't working for me. I'm going to go get a job and apartment, but you know, I'll come back on weekends, check in. So because of that, we have a couple choices to make. One is to say, well, you know, gee, I'm trapped in the family from hell. I've got bad caregivers, but that's just too overwhelming. Another option is to say, well, things feel bad, so I guess I'll get good at being bad, and that's the juvenile delinquent path, and I certainly flirted with that one. There's also the, uh, the option to say, you know what? If things aren't right, I can make them right. I can work really hard. I can strive for perfection. I can be really hard on myself because someday everything will be fixed. And these are subconscious patterns. So when we bring them into our workplace roles, they're still operating in the background usually without our conscious awareness. And often it's in our mid-30s, mid-40s, mid-50s when these patterns, which to some extent served us well and helped us to make sense of the world, are no longer functioning. Now this can be a trigger for the classic so-called midlife crisis, but I view it differently. I view it as our true sense of self and our wholeness asking to be brought into greater balance. So when these patterns emerge, we've got all kinds of labels for these. Uh, arrogant, crabby, avoidant, uh, dramatic, 
you know, inappropriate, uh, workaholic. The list goes on and on. Those patterns, particularly when we get feedback from others who care about us in the workplace and in our home life, it's an invitation and an obligation. How do I begin to examine the ways in which I communicate, interact, and behave so that I can see what's in my blind spot and I can begin to accept my responsibility for growing out of those patterns? One question I love to ask, because I pretty much know the answer that I'll get, is if you were doing something that you were unaware of, that was in your blind spot, that was contributing to a negative impact or result with your team, would you want to know what that is? And everybody but the cynical bastard is going to say yes. But now comes the more challenging question. On that basis, would you be willing to commit to a process that brings that into your conscious awareness in the moment so that you can see it practice different patterns, and then sustain those. And I'll give you an example. I was working in a technology culture, and one of the sales reps, very bright, very motivated, great connections uh, in the industry, good network. The challenge was his boss, who had white hair, wasn't that much older, but was taller and larger So I think just the physiological appearance was a factor here. I'll call the salesperson Stan. So Stan would go to the boss. I'll call him Charles. And Stan would require a lot of attention from Charles. Even though Charles said, hey, you know, I trust you to make decisions. I trust you to prioritize. I don't really need to oversee your work to this level. But Stan kept coming back more and more to get feedback, but more importantly, to get validation. And this got to the point where Charles was getting annoyed. And the more annoyed that Charles got, the more validation that Stan needed. This was a pretty unhealthy, endless loop here. Ultimately, Stan was able to realize that he was acting out the unresolved issues with his own father, who had been very demanding on one hand, and yet didn't really invest the time to just play and hang out with his son. Once it was revealed that there were these unconscious patterns in play, Stan was able to take ownership of those. He went to Charles and in a wonderful display of professional vulnerability, let him know what was going on, and ask Charles to help remind him if Stan was falling back in that old pattern. Because you could actually see it in his nonverbals when he got triggered in that way. And because of this knowledge and commitment, the two of them were able to work through it to have a much more balanced and effective business relationship. This is where having an objective outside evaluation or observation of your patterns can often be helpful. That's why those of us who are executive coaches can provide so much value, particularly if we're actually able to observe the interactions where these patterns show up. There's also an important difference between the coaching model and the counseling model. I think of the difference between 
physical therapy, and personal training. If your body is not functioning well, then you should go to a physical therapist so that they can restore your full physical functioning. If you want to increase your physical performance, your athletic performance, or just have a much better sense of uh, physical well-being and health, you typically would work with a personal trainer who would help you set goals, hold you accountable. So often the counseling is looking at how we got to this point in time. The coach is looking at how we take this point in time and move forward. And the coaching is done in the business context. The counseling is done in the personal context. And they don't have to be done simultaneously. But I know very few highly successful people in the worlds that I work in who haven't actually done both or sometimes need both. So this concept of growing yourself as a means of growing your capabilities and performance in business is something that I think we know intuitively. However, there are many situations where if we think it's a business problem, it may well be. However, it may also be one of our old patterns asking for our attention. This is a lifelong process, of course. There is no getting there. There is only that investment in continuous growth and development with self-compassion, with acknowledging the marvelous gifts that we have without falling into repeated negative judgment and a critical inner dialogue. I am indeed fortunate to have the great pleasure to serve as a catalyst at times for individuals in business who can make this connection and can see that the challenge at hand, particularly in relationships, is something that is both reflective of where they've been, but also indicative of where they need to go. And by looking at our own internal responses, our own ways of reacting and responding, and then crafting new, more functional, more integrated, more holistic ways of being, not only do we have better success at business, but we have greater enjoyment and warmer connections with everyone around us. The interface between the personal and professional, it's never boring and it never ends. This concludes another episode of the Holistic Work podcast series. If you're interested in this and other archived podcasts, they are available wherever you get your podcasts or at businesscultureconsultants.com. You're also welcome to email me at flip.brown at icloud.com. This has been a production of Business Culture Consultants at Star Farm Studios in Burlington, Vermont. And thanks for tuning in. I'm Flip Brown, and may your awesome potential continue to unfold at work, in your life, and through your positive contributions to the world. Until the next time we cast another pod, be safe and strong.